0: Thank you.
1: Rhonda, sorry. We are kicking off our Advent Christmas series. We've named Wonder. And uh, really the name, reason we named it Wonder is we marvel at the miracle of the Incarnation. Incarnation is a fancy word for saying God became flesh. God took off His, his royalty, His Godhood, um, and He became incarnate flesh. In Philippians 2, 7, it says that God emptied Himself. He emptied Himself. And became uh, the form of a servant. He was born in the likeness of us. And so uh, he set aside his deity. He set aside... Oh, thank you so much. He set aside his strength. He set aside his power. And he took on, instead, our frailty. He took on our humanity. He took on our our mortality. I, I think about my frailty as I get older. The other day I woke up and my foot just hurt. And I don't even know why. I was like, ah, my foot hurts. And I'm walking around the house, it's just, it, part of our humanity is just, we, we break down, we hurt, and we have pain. God took all of his perfection, all of his power, and he, he wrapped himself in our weakness and our frailty, and he humbled himself, even to the point of death, on a cross. And that's why we named this series, What We Did. And so, I don't know about you, but I've already been in the Christmas rush. Who's already had a little bit of that Christmas panic set in? It's coming. For those of you that haven't raised your hand yet, you're just delaying the inevitable, I'm telling you. Uh, I've already been in it. Uh, We had decorating night on Monday here. Wonderful team showed up. Didn't they do a beautiful job with the building and everything? That was such a fun night. We had a blast decorating and just making this place beautiful. Um, but so, so that was just, of course, busy setting up for it and actually doing it. Then we had our house. I was on the roof yesterday, and as I was doing it, I thought, why did we choose a holiday in which we're going to be crawling around on roofs to be in December and early January? Where we're up there, you know, staggering around on a roof. This is a brilliant idea. Um, but uh, uh, we're, we're, we're busy decorating our houses. Um, I, I was busy this, this last week's preparing this message series, thinking it all through, studying, we're talking about it. We're, we're planning. I know Jordan's been working on music, and we're running around like crazy people. We're getting our house all Christmas. And it's important that we need to just slow down and give thanks for what God has done, and re-engage with the wonder. Reengage with the majesty of God and the wonder of what he's done. One of the, uh, the Christmas rush things that we do is the Christmas shopping. Does anyone in here love Christmas shopping for people? Are there people that enjoy it? I've got some people they are like, I enjoy doing that. Uh, others of us find it perhaps more stressful. Um, on, on my family's end, pulling out the what you want for Christmas it would be easier to do a CIA interrogation than actually finding out what somebody wants for Christmas. That's how it is with our family. For some reason, we don't want to tell each other what we want or something. So I've taken on the the plan of, I'm not going to tell you a thing until you tell me something. And now we're some sort of standoff, you know, like who's going to actually tell. And so we've got this like weird thing. And then, then, so I'm holding my own list hostage until someone finally uh, tells me what they want. Then I'll release one item to them and they can release one item to me. And, and so, um, there's that stress. And then there's also the stress of like, what's our budget? Because I'm always afraid of like way under gifting someone. Like I got you a set of coasters from my trip to Niagara Falls and you got me AirPod pros, you know, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> awkward, you know? <laughs> And so, uh, there's, there's just like this worry of like, am I giving enough? Are they, and that's why then often the auntie keeps getting raised on gifts, you know? And so, we had, we had a discussion of like, okay, let's just set a line and we're not gonna cross it, kind of, kind of idea with our family. But, uh, that fear of being outgiven, but let me tell you something, that God is the most amazing gift giver ever. And we will never, ever be able to outgive our God. We'll never be able to do it. He gave us the most amazing gift in Jesus. 700 years before Jesus was born, there was a guy by the name of Isaiah, and he was a prophet. And God gave him this vision. It was a window into what he was going to do in the future. And so Isaiah wrote this down. And so he writes this prophecy down in which he sees what God is preparing to do for humanity. In Isaiah chapter nine, verse two, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to Isaiah chapter nine, verse two. It says this, for a child is born to us, a son is given everybody say given. given given to us the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father the prince of peace you see this season is all about god's gift to us in jesus we always we hear the saying jesus is the reason for the season but the fact is it's true and and, and it's a marvelous gift, but there's meaning behind the gift. How many of you have ever either received a gift or you've given a gift and immediately you go, okay, there's an explanation for this. Have you guys ever done that? I've done a gift where I'm like, let me explain, let me explain. The, <laughs> yeah, uh, just, just like, okay, there's, there's context to this. The, in the same way, we should look at the gift that of Jesus that's been given us to us and say, well, Why? Let, let God's saying, let me explain why God's son. Why didn't God just give us all just really great Amazon gift cards? Why didn't God just give us uh, like all knowledge and understanding if he could give us a gift? Why didn't God here? Here's one I thought of. Why didn't God just give us issue us each a get out of, of hell free card? Wouldn't that be easier? Just redeem this when you die. You're good to go. Just immunity. Well, the answer takes us all the way back to the beginning. So if you have your Bibles, open them with me to Genesis, the very first chapters. See, God creates Adam from the dust, it says. He creates Adam and he forms him from the dust and then out of Adam he creates Eve and he takes Adam and Eve and he places them in this garden and it's perfect. God looks at it and he says, it's good. Actually, when he creates Adam and Eve, he says, it's very good. And the the word good that's used there is a term that's not just talking about he likes it, but it's a term of both value that it has and its moral quality. He's saying this is of high value and it is of moral excellence. All of my creation is exactly as, as I designed it. It has appeal, but it's also complete and full, and it's in perfection. And into this perfection, God places his humanity, and he sets Adam and Eve in it, but then he sets them apart from all of creation. Um, he sets them as unique in dominion and as his image bearers and representatives in, in the garden. He says, you're to rule and have dominion over it. You're to to care for it. You're to be administrators as my image represented in this garden. And so he sets them apart. They're unique from the animals. They're unique from the plants. We aren't just animals that have a slightly higher EQ. We are set apart and unique. And God designs them in this way. And the first gift that God gives humanity is agency. He gives them agency. In Genesis chapter 2, it says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. See, we have been given the gift of free will. This is the moment that God injects free will and agency into his creation, into us as humanity. God grants Adam and Eve the ability to, to choose whether or not they're going to obey him. He says, you can do anything you want. You can eat anywhere you want. You can go do any, wh- whatever it might be. Here's the one thing that I'm telling you not to do. Don't eat from this one tree. And he gives them the ability to choose. And, and, and what's unique about this is God could have not put that tree in the garden, right? He could have just not planted that one. He could have uh, put, put the angels with the flaming swords around it and prevented them from doing it. He could have coerced them or threatened them. He could have done all these things, but he could have made humanity choiceless worshipers where we don't even have the, the, the ability to choose whether or not we do it. And, and And just without question, without thought, we worship God and we don't do anything that we choose to do, but only what God commands us to do. But God knew that relationship without choice is empty. It's void. We're not automatons. We're not robots that he created. But he said, I want you to have the choice to love me, to be in relationship with me. Here's your opportunity, Adam and Eve. Here's your choice to choose me or if you're going to choose your own way. And we know how the story goes. Adam and Eve eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because the Bible says it looked good to them. It looked tasty. You see, that's how sin is, right? It's appealing. Sin is, sin is appealing. No one would sin if it was gross you're like, ew! I can't believe I have to do this no one would do that if it was off-putting or if it didn't feel good that's the thing about sin sin tells us it's going to be gratifying it's going to be the answer it's going to make me feel fulfilled and it's going to tell me the things I want to know or maybe sin tells us God's holding something back from you he doesn't want you to have the fullness of, of what's offered out there God's just a, a stick in the mud he's the worst, isn't he? he's such a wet blanket if you do this, it will feel fulfilling and you can have God too or it says, you know what, God's kind of insecure. That's what Satan told Adam and Eve. He, he said, he's afraid that when you eat the fruit, you're going to have your eyes opened and you are going to be like God. And it tells us that God is somehow this insecure being that needs our affection, that needs our, our, our love, or else he's going to fall apart or he's afraid of us. But that's what sin does. It lies to us and it feeds into our insecurities. It feeds into our need for, for feeling fulfilled. And so when Adam and Eve exercise their free will and they, diso- and they disobey God... This moment where sin suddenly goes from feeling so good and gratifying, the fruit is tasty, to immediate shame. How many of us have ever felt shame from sin immediately? Immediately they try to cover themselves. Immediately they're shamed from realizing we have broken God's law and we've disobeyed God. And so when they did, sin was introduced into God's perfect creation. Perfection was tainted. Perfection was broken. And sin is malignant. Sin is insidious. And it it seeps through the entirety of creation. It's terminal. And creation is immediately, when sin is introduced, fractured. That perfection that God designed is fractured. And across the universe, this destruction of sin begins to wreak havoc. And it doesn't take its time. It goes quickly. Within one generation, the very first murder occurs. Within one generation. They went from eating a bad apple to killing people real quick. And that's how sin is. It's immediately this destruction begins wreaking havoc across God's creation. And within within less than a generation, this murder occurs. And then we see physical pain and we see death taking hold of every person who has ever lived. Minus two. Or three, sorry. (laughs) So, this, this death taking hold of every person who's ever lived, people begin to steal, people kill, people covet, they lie, they commit adultery. They curse God. And we see this growing thing. And throughout generations, we've seen sin's curse breaking apart people groups and marriages and families are torn apart. Racism in our world. Sin's effects are evident in substance abuse, alcohol and drug addiction, stealing generations. Alcohol and drug abuse have stolen generations and broken apart families. Decimated relationships. The Bible says that the ground itself was cursed when sin was introduced. He said, You're going to have a hard time growing crops. It's going to be backbreaking work. But not only that, there, been, there are droughts now and devastating weather systems that come through, earthquakes, cataclysmic events that steal lives because of sin's effect. In Romans chapter 8, it says, Against its will, all of creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. Creation aches under the weight of sin. It groans under the weight of sin. There's these natural events. There's these, uh, the, there's the, the effects of uh, substance abuse. There's the effects of selfishness and brokenness. And sin is rampant in our world. And it's fractured. That perfect creation that God made because of the free will that we have been given. If it hadn't been Adam and Eve... Sometimes when I was little, I used to just resent Adam and Eve. How come you ruined this for us all? Especially when I had to pull weeds in the backyard. I was like, you did this to us, Adam. But the reality is every single one of us would have taken the fruit because every single one of us have a sin nature that we want to choose ourselves over God. And sin's effect is ultimately, the Bible tells us, is death. Whatever it might be, it might start with something, but it always leads and ultimately gives birth to death. In James 1.14, it says, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. I think of a horror movie when I think of that. You know, trying to hold onto the carpet as it pulls you back into its lair. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. See, we entertain temptation. We allow it to live around us. We, we, don't, we don't flee from it, as the Bible tells us. And these desires eventually give birth to us doing sinful actions. We start acting out on those desires and impulses that we have. And that sin eventually will, when it's allowed to grow, is going to give birth to death. And death in this life, yes, we all will face a physical death one day if the Lord tarries. But also, we are going to face a second death because of our sin. That second death is the eternal separation from God. Where he says, I I don't know you. I can't have anything to do with you because you are fallen and you are broken and you have the sin nature on you and I can't have anything to do with that because I am God who is perfect and and I can't can't have this relationship. And so this second death is eternal separation because God's perfection is what sets the standard. And the Bible tells us that we all fall short of that standard. We all fail the standard. At some point, each of us have chosen our own way and that way leads to death. I'm going to say... Uh, something, then this might be offensive to you. And uh, I think I I just need to speak the truth more than try to tickle ears and you walk out and go, wasn't that a precious message? That was really nice. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I have a responsibility to speak truth to you. And let me tell you this. We are all deserving of the wrath and the punishment of God and are deserving of death. Doesn't matter who you are. I have done things that have broken God's law, I have broken his commandments and I've broken God's heart. I've done things that I feel in the pit of my stomach when I consider what I've done. We could all probably share, this would be a horrible sharing time, what's, what's the worst thing you've ever done? We think about those things and it, it makes us cringe and those things are the things that separate us from God. We've broken God's law. And the reality is, the truth is, the wrath of God is real. The wrath of God is real. It's not wrath because he hates people. It's wrath because he hates sin. And it has to be dealt with. And so we're all deserving of this. In Exodus 34, 7, it says that God will not leave the guilty unpunished. And I love the feeling of that and the thought of that when I think of the other evil in our world. I love knowing that God is going to bring justice when I think about other situations. When I think about child predators, I'm like, one day God's judgment is going to fall on them. I think of how I look forward to God's justice when I think of warlords that wreak havoc in parts of our world, uh, using children and breaking apart families. I think about the thieves that break into our cars and our homes and how God's justice will come on them. Even if the police don't catch them, I know God's going to get them. They can't get away from him. I think about the person in the HOA who keeps turning us in for leaving our garbage cans out for too many days. (laughs) Justice will occur. But then when we take the lens and we turn it back on ourselves though and realize if he truly is a just God, if he truly is righteous and perfect, that same justice has to be dealt with in us as well. God's righteousness, his justice must be exercised or if not, he is neither of those things. Did you think about that? If God's justice is not exercised, then he's not just. And we like to give ourselves the exclusion. Well, you don't understand my situation. I'm overall probably a 72% good person. (laughs) See, we all fall short. We all are deserving of that justice and wrath of God. But God, he had this knowledge that we would choose our own way one day. It was no mystery surprise to him. Adam and Eve didn't sin, and God goes, what? (laughs) He, when he was walking through the garden calling for Adam and Eve, knew exactly where they were, and he knew exactly where those fig leaves were. Covering their shame. And he knew this would happen. I love what Pastor Charity said as she was closing in prayer today. I jotted this down. She said, he saw the problem before there was a problem. God saw our sin and our fallenness and the need of a savior before it even happened. He had a plan before Adam and Eve even ate the fruit. Not only that, he had a plan before they were even formed out of the dust. Not only that, even before a tree had been planted or a star had been placed in the sky, before the foundations of the earth were laid, God had a plan for our salvation. He was putting together a rescue plan. He had it all worked out. He knew they're going to they're gonna choose their own way, but I'm going to have a way to redeem them back to me. In First Peter 1, it says, God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he's been revealed for your sake. Peter's going, you guys, I have lived shoulder to shoulder with the one who's been revealed for our sake. He's here now. Long before the world began, God chose Jesus to come and rescue you. And But now he's been revealed to us for our sake. He is here. It is, it is real. He is, he is born to us. And it's far in advance. Have you guys ever planned something way in advance? Maybe a wedding? Or uh, uh, maybe a, a vacation? Um, for one, I thought when I got married, we we got married six months from when we got engaged. And I thought, what are we going to do with all that time? What, we need like three or four weeks to get ready for this thing? You know, rent a tux, that's it. (laughs) And then I realized, we need like three years to get ready for this. That was a stressful six months. God was in preparation through time, waiting for the appropriate moment to send Jesus to this earth. It was all in his in his design. And so God gives this allusion to this plan he had from the very beginning, as a matter of fact. We just referenced Genesis where Adam and Eve sinned. Did you know right after they sinned is the first moment that we get the the glimpse of Jesus coming for us. In Genesis 3, 15, it says this, God is speaking to Eve and then he speaks this curse to the serpent who tempted her. He said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is a reference then again in the book of Revelation. But um, you guys want to learn a cool theological phrase? Okay, the theological phrase is called Proto-Evangelium. Say Proto-Evangelium. Proto-Evangelium, it's fancy Latin and what it means is this, first gospel. And this verse is referred to by theologians as the first time the gospel is proclaimed in, Re- in Genesis chapter 3 because it's referring to when Jesus, God's plan, when Jesus would come and he would crush Satan under his feet. The enemy would strike his heel, try to, try to overcome Jesus, but Jesus and the victory he has will crush Satan under his feet. And this is the good news we're talking about and the songs we sing about when we just sang this morning, the Christmas songs about when God came down, when God became incarnate flesh. You see, the angels, when they when when they visit the shepherds and they say, we've got good news of great joy that's for all people, this is the joy they're talking about. I've got great news to tell you. And it's not like... You know, baby announcements, I really appreciate when people have babies. I'm like, good for you. Yeah, yay. And they're not just giving a baby announcement. They are giving the best news you can possibly receive. How many of you would be excited if I came up to you and said, listen, someone just came up to me and they said that they have paid off your mortgage. They are ready to pay it off today. It's taken care of. How many of you would celebrate? I can tell you, that would be an exciting thing. But let me tell you, there's something so much bigger than some house payment being paid off, a car payment being paid off. This is the best news that could ever land in, in, in your world. That Jesus has come to give us eternity. More than a house payment, this is eternity that's been given to us. What great news. We've been given the gift of Jesus. Second Corinthians 9 says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Jesus is referred to as a gift 40 times in the New Testament. A gift. This gift that's been given to us. What a wonderful gift we've been given in Jesus. John 3 says, For God so loved... Oh, I bet we know this one pretty well. For God so loved the world that He... That He gave His only Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. But here's the deal. This thing that's been given, it's a gift... And it can't be forced on you. We can't force a gift on someone. It has to be received. I have a 1994 Suzuki Swift that is my pride and joy. Um, I've been laughed at it for a lot of reasons. It's kind of small, I will admit. It's, it's basically a Geo Metro, but uh, it's, it gets great gas mileage. The other day I went to the store and I couldn't find it in the parking lot. And that's because it was parked on the other side of a Prius. But if I were to bless you with that car and say, I want you to have my 1994 Suzuki Swift, you would have to receive the keys from me and take it. Otherwise, it's not yours have to sign the title over. You have to receive that. In the same way, our agency and our free will have been given to us so we can choose our own way. But in the same way, we can receive the gift of salvation that's being offered to us. God says, I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. If anyone will receive me, I will enter in. That's what he says in Revelation chapter 3. He says, behold, I stand at the door. I knock. I'm waiting. If anyone would open the door and let me in, I will come and sup with them. I will come and have relationship with you. But it requires us receiving him in. And so this morning, I want to invite you to receive God's free gift as our team returns. God came down for you. God incarnate came down for you. Despite our brokenness, despite our sin, uh, despite all those things, He came for us. Um, as a staff, we've been reading a book together. And the pastor in this book talks about He was in Indonesia. At a temple, in, a Buddhist temple in Indonesia and he was standing there with a Buddhist leader and there was a, a Muslim leader that he was talking with and, and they were talking about religion and different things and the leader said, you know what, if you think about it all three of our religions are basically the same just with different face paint on they're, they're all essentially kind of driving at the same thing, aren't they? and the pastor said, it sounds like you're both kind of giving this picture of God is at the top of the mountain and we all are finding our way up to Him and we're taking different paths, but ultimately we'll all arrive there. And he goes, they go, yeah, that's, that's what we mean. We'll all arrive there. And he goes, let me tell you something. What if I told you that God isn't waiting at the top of the mountain for us to come up to Him, but He came down to us. That's the difference between my God and your God. He came down to find us. And that's what we celebrate today is God came down to find us in our brokenness when each one of us have turned our own way and are deserving of the wrath of God for our sin. He came to find us, to save us. And so this morning, that's what the hope we have is, is that Jesus came as God's gift to us this season, the best gift we could ever receive. And it's free of charge. That's the thing about gifts, is you don't pay for it, but you receive it. And so right now, I want to invite you, if you're in this room and you've never given your life to Christ or you have not fully given Him your heart, you've given Him your attention, you've given him some thought, but you haven't said, God, I need to receive this salvation you're talking about. I can't be a good enough person. I can't be an 82% good enough person. I am broken and fallen and I need your salvation. And you you say, that's me. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. And so without bowing your heads, we're going to do something bold this morning. With every head raised, but you say, Pastor Brent, that's me. I want to have that knowledge that I stand right with God. And I want to give him my life today. Will you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Raise it high. Raise it high. Yeah. It's a bold thing to ask for you to raise your hand in boldness in this room. I understand that. But I ask that you wrestle with this. Maybe you're considering it. And I am glad that you don't just shoot your hand up for something that you're wrestling with. Let me ask you to continue wrestling with God like Jacob wrestled with God. Don't give up. Don't, don't be lazy about this. But as you consider, what is my life? Where am I going? And what does my eternity look like? Wrestle with God on this. And I'm going to pray that God reveals himself to you in profound ways. This morning, let's bow our heads and close our eyes together as we close this morning. Father, I thank you so much That you came to give us salvation while we were still lost, while we were broken and without hope, you came for us. You didn't wait for us to come up to you, but you came down to us in this world. And so, as we step into this Christmas season, we start at the beginning. We start with our own brokenness, our own lost state as humanity and as individuals. And now we say, God, I need you to resurrect me from death. I need you to give me life. I need you to, to give me hope where there's been no hope, where my own lost state has pulled me away. We thank you for it, Jesus. For the hope that's found in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, Pastor Melissa is going to come and lead us in our connection cards if you can get those out.
2: All right, everybody. As he said, it is connection card time. If you weren't following along, you should have been, but you can open... Um, the um, QR code with the, on the back of your chair to do your connection card. And I I like the term um, that you used with wrestling. And if you are wrestling with salvation, if you are wrestling with the, with the gift, the capital G gift, mark that on your connection card because uh, we have some resources for you. We want to pray for you. And um, also, I believe that God gives the big G gift, but also the little G gifts. And we pray every single week. So what is a little G gift that you've received this week? We call those praises. So put that on your connection card. We want to praise with you. We also want to pray with you. What's been on your heart this week? So we're going to give you a few uh, seconds to do that. If you don't participate, it's going to be really awkward. You're going to just be sitting there. So take this time and do your connection cards. God bless you.
1: All right, church, thank you for filling out your connection cards. If you did a paper one, in just a moment, our ushers are going to be passing the buckets around. You can drop it in there. Right now, we're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving, and we're coming up to the end of the year. Um, so uh, your end of year giving, we, we appreciate it. Thank you for your uh, faithfulness in giving. Um, this morning, as we take our offering, we're going to actually watch the video of the testimonies of those that are getting baptized in the second service. Um, for those of you that are in this service and aren't going to be here next service, you're going to miss out on the actual baptisms, but we want you to hear the stories of what God has been doing in lives. It's exciting to see um, the, the the things that are happening in our church, and uh, as a matter of fact, we have these that are getting baptized and one other, and then we already have a sign-up list of people that are wanting in on the next baptism, so it's really exciting to see what's happening. Praise God. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so what we're going to do today is celebrate those new creations that, that have been made. Amen. Lord, we thank you so much that we are participants in your kingdom, for the stories that are happening and being told right now of your restoration, that we are reclaiming things back from the enemy, where sin wants to devour, where the enemy wants to come in and steal and kill and destroy, we are seeing new life springing up within the kingdom of God. And so right now, we invest in that, we invest in eternal things, we trust you with tomorrow, we thank you for it, Father, and together all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Check this out.
3: I'm Recovery course for PTSD uh, for veterans returning home. I'll reboot my recovery, and it was throughout that course and during that process um, that I leveled with God, asked for forgiveness, forgave my enemies, um, and I needed to start the healing process. And so I died to myself and felt reborn.
0: Yeah, so my walk began about that time. so he asked us to step up and Is happening and uh, I'm
4: not ready for it. Yeah. Woo! I grew up a Christian, but um, <clears throat> in my adolescent late years, I chose not to learn lessons and chose distraction over the things that I should have been doing. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so uh, I had a uh, interesting journey for about 15 years. My um, youngest son, or my oldest son, excuse me, I sent him to a Christian preschool year. There, um, his teachers gave me a sense of accountability that nobody else could. They taught him to pray. So he asked me to pray at home. They taught him um, stories from the Bible and so he inspired me to dust off my Bible who read it to me. So in a way, it was like, there were so many Christians I already knew, but God only knew how to break through to me. And for me, it was my four-year-old son. And um, I'm so grateful for all the people that helped him last year. They truly changed all of lives.
3: Uh, faith and hope uh, means that I have eternity waiting.
0: I've seen Jesus just in the last few months for the last year, especially after we started coming to church here life. Um, I've seen so many things happen in my family and to friends, and I've seen how Jesus, and, and just my life was improving, and I was slowly taking my baby steps. I want this to continue. I, I, I like the community and the family and, and this is the place that I really feel like I want to be a part of the family here and the community and, and I want to give. I want to give of myself, my time.
3: today To display my commitment to this church, his body has been extremely well. World-
0: Really learning more, uh, reading more, understanding more, and, and hopefully at some point I won't be that baby Christian that my wife calls so, <laughs>
4: birth in a way, and so the birth chart is just starting, and the percentiles don't mean as much to me as a constant growth in my body, soul, and mind. So I guess I'm excited about this journey, and I want to keep
1: on walking with it. How exciting is that? That's why I'm wearing my made new shirt. Today we are celebrating these who are made new. And uh, let's, let's celebrate that together, right church? Let's stand together. Lord, I pray over this church, your people, we thank you for these stories of your restoration, your ransom, and you're making all things new. And Lord, we pray for these that have made this dedication, and this commitment to, to you and to this body and to their progression and following you, Lord, that this would be just a time of flourishing that they've never experienced before, that, Lord, that they would be growing quickly in the things of God, and that they would be themselves disciple-makers as they uh, continue to develop in their relationship with you. We thank you for it, Jesus. Be with your church this week as we go. Keep constantly in the forefront of our minds the miracle of the incarnation and the wonder of what you've done for us, and we thank you for it, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, New Life.